Welcome to the Abiding Word with Pastor Jim Swigert of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Pastor Jim is teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now let's join Pastor Jim for today's Abiding Word. Good morning once again. Please open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In fact, why don't we stand together as we read the first 12 verses. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and are gathering together in him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they, may, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we didn't come here for a sermon. We didn't come here to get feel goodies. We came to be encouraged that you would bring us a word of life. We pray for your Holy Spirit to bring edification, to bring encouragement, to bring forth abundant life as we are reminded of your truth. Lord, we love you and we praise you. As it's already been mentioned, Lord, we need you. Speak to your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So we just read the first 12 verses. We're not going to cover 12 verses this morning. We might not even cover more than two verses this morning. Um, But I'm reminded... uh, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I'm reminded in Revelation chapter 22, verses 
20 and 21. The last couple scriptures in all the Bible. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Do you say amen to this? You know, at the heart of every believer is that we have that Jesus is coming again. And um, I'm reminded, you know, when this says, even so, it's speaking truly, verily, assuredly. It's to give us assurance that Jesus is coming again. But it's interesting, um, that word come here, and even this, I think I have shared something wrong for a long time. I've always referred this as Maranatha. But the Greek is not Maranatha. I'm not trying to give you a new revelation or anything, but it's just very interesting. This is our heart that Jesus would come. Even so, come Lord Jesus, right? But in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22, 1 Corinthians 16, 22 says, If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed, O Lord, come. It's interesting that the context what Paul was writing to the church of Corinth, he was giving here a prophetic warning. It wasn't in his heart, let them be accursed, but the Lord is coming. This is Maranatha. And that the Lord is going to come, and with it comes divine judgment. That's Maranatha. Uh, o Lord, come here. In Aramaic, interesting, one of the earliest words in all the Christian vocabulary. Um, it's one found one one time here in the scriptures. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22. And again, it speaks of, as we've been looking at and as we've been sharing throughout the scriptures in the New Testament, certainly the Old Testament, with the New Testament church, there was that intuition. They they knew that Jesus was coming. And for you and I, this speaks to, this is part of our faith, right? It's built in us by the Spirit of God. We know the days that we're living in isn't it. There's something future for us. It's part of God's promise to us. It's rooted into our, our faith. And um, again, throughout the New Testament, you see that conviction. You look at the Old Testament, certainly God gave that to his people, the Jewish people, looking forward to the kingdom, right? The kingdom of God, when God, when his son is going to sit on the throne. And for you and I, that's our hope that, and this is something the Lord's been speaking to me as we look at the days we're living in, the Lord is going to set things right. Amen? The Lord is going to set things right. In chapters 4 and 5, we uh, in 1 Thessalonians, we looked at uh, the details regarding the coming of the Lord with the rapture of the church, not to be confused with the, um, you know, the second coming of Jesus. The rapture of the church, as Paul pointed out in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, is the rapture of the church when Jesus comes before that seven-year tribulation period. And remember in, in John 14, verses 1 through 3, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. 
you believing God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Um, these prophetic truths, these aren't just facts that we need to have in our brain. For you and I, this is reality, bringing forth deep meaning, conviction, persuading us then to live our lives in such a way that brings glory, honor, and praise to Jesus. Amen? But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul said this, remember? Therefore, comfort one another with these words. When we think of Jesus coming, the rapture of the church, it should comfort us, certainly not bring fear. And what about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11? Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. So again, the, the Thessalonian church, they were taught these things um, and how Paul told them that you would escape judgment because Jesus Christ is coming for his church. Remember, he told them that uh, the dead would rise first, and he encouraged them with these words. And so uh, this brings us to the context then of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Remember, the false teachers were coming in. They were sharing things, and we'll get to the things that they were sharing or how they were sharing them, essentially telling them, you missed the rapture. You are now living in the tribulation days. You are living in the day of the Lord. And if you could imagine, if I came in here on a Sunday morning and I said, folks, you missed the rapture. Now, what I'm going to ask you next is just hypothetical, because I know what you would do. What would you do if I said that? I know some of you have a mean streak in you. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't go well for me. But when you think about that, with the hope that the blessed hope Jesus coming and then being told, you missed the rapture. You're now living in that day of the Lord. So that brings us to the context of verse 1 and 2. Paul says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So we see here, Paul begins to refute the false teaching. And again, this is a, a primary purpose of Second Thessalonians. After hearing you know, that what was going on with the false teachers, he's now refuting that, again, his purpose to bring encouragement. And compounded on everything I shared with you about the false teaching, remember, they were being heavily persecuted. And so they were being told that, see, you're living in this persecution. You wouldn't be going through this if the rapture would have happened. So Paul is refuting all of that. And again, remember what he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 and 18. In fact, once we get that up there, just so I know you're awake, let's read this together. Shall we? Okay. For this... We say to you by the word of the Lord 
that we who are alive and remain till the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them and the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so Paul taught this, right? We went over this. And um, it's interesting, though, in light of, we have to be honest here, there's different views to when Jesus comes for his church. We believe in the pre-tribulation that Jesus comes before that tribulation period. And we have to readily admit there are some scriptures that can be taken, you know, or we can't be sure. But I think overall we certainly believe and have that conviction that the church will be snatched out of here before the tribulation period. But that's interesting because words are important. How many have the King James? Oh, yeah, I like this. A couple weeks ago, I think only one raised their hand when Mike was here. But it's interesting, only in the King James, and I think there's one other version in this particular scripture. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the, new, or the King James says, Now, brother, concerning by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That points, and it more emphasizes, here it's speaking of Jesus, the, the rapture. And then it goes on to say, and our gathering together. Um, again, the gathering together, this is speaking the presence of the Lord. And, and Paul taught them these things. First, or excuse me, First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? And then again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Highlight that in your scriptures, in your Bible. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we shall live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. So Paul's establishing that. And again, it goes in verse 2 then, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled. Now this is interesting. When we think about the word shaken, by definition it speaks of like a, a ship in the middle of a sea amidst a great storm being agitated, and when it says here being troubled, it speaks of a continuous state of being upset. So this is, this is the church. They've heard the teaching from Paul about the rapture of the church and that the coming of the Lord is the blessed hope that we have. And then these false teachers come in and they're shaken. And here's, as I was preparing this week, the Lord just took me. Phew. When I think of that word shaken, what comes to my mind by definition, that ship being in the sea, being tossed and turned in the ship, I'm reminded of the disciples. 
certainly being reminded of the days that we're living in because we are living in a great storm. Would you agree? A great storm. Turn with me to um, Luke chapter 8. And it reminds me of the name which I firmly believe the Lord gave to us as a church. Luke chapter 8, Calvary Chapel, Faith Fellowship. Names are important. This isn't something that we drew straws for or, or picked out of a hat. Calvary Chapel, Faith Fellowship. Calvary Chapel, that's, that's who we belong to as a movement. Priority of the Word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, keeping things simple, simply teaching the Bible simply. And then that word faith, trusting in the Lord, walking with the Lord. And that's the Lord calling them. Amen. <laughs> and then fellowship, koinonia fellowship, together, unity. We believe we're living in the last days. We believe that it's very close to what, we, what we're reading and studying about, Jesus coming for his church. We believe that we're, you know, the last moment before the church is at hand. We see things happening throughout the world. Let's be honest, it's shaking us, isn't it? When I think of those disciples in the midst of this storm, in Luke chapter 8, verse 22, it says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into the boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake, and they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Certainly we have the promise of Jesus to his disciples. He got into the boat with them, and he told them, let's put out because we're going to the other side. And when Jesus says, we're going to the other side, what did he mean? We're going to make it to the other side. And it's interesting that Jesus got into the boat with his disciples. His disciples were together. And this is how I'm praying for our church, because we do believe that we're in the last hour. Amen? Would you agree? that we have to be together. We have to reach out and bring people into the boat. It's so important, folks, that we're in fellowship. It's so important that we're in the boat together as disciples. It's so important that the body of Christ is together in unity, focused on one thing, Jesus. Everything else is secondary. 
We need to be in fellowship. We need to be in that boat. And it's interesting here, as the storm came uh, down on the lake, and if you've ever been at the Sea of Galilee, you know it's, it's unique, very unique. The water was coming in. And the scripture says they were in jeopardy. Jeopardy of what? They were in jeopardy of sinking. The boat going down. They were in jeopardy. The enemy is bringing so much fear today in this world. And it is reality. With lies, corruption, perversion, hate, power. All these things are just being stirred up and it's heavy. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. How many times do we think, Lord, where are you? And they called out to him, Master, we, we're, we're perishing. We're, we're going to sink. And what did Jesus say? Where is your faith? Jesus wasn't beating them up. He wasn't saying, you bunch of losers, why don't you wake up and follow me? He wasn't saying that. Simply asking the question, where's your faith? You know, it's interesting to me that Jesus calms the storm. <laughs> they marvel, who is this? You know, it's like, wow, that's the meaning of this, wow. Jesus calmed the storm, and everything was going to be all right because we know they made it to the other side. Interesting, they make it to the other side. It wasn't all better roses, all right, praise the Lord, hallelujah. No, they met demons. But what drew my attention to this scripture this week is water. When Jesus calmed the storm, and as they continued on, and again, I'm not. this is no new revolution or try to come up with something, but it's interesting to me, what happened to the water in the boat? Well, we don't know. We can't properly answer that. We don't know because it doesn't say. But then it dawned on me, the water's in the boat. Everything is good, but there's still water in the boat. You've got to get rid of the water. How would they get rid of the water if Jesus didn't move that water out of there? My point is this. We can walk by faith. We can trust the Lord. We can experience his presence, but there might be water in the boat. The water and boat are the trials that we deal with just from living. And then I think, well, how would I get rid of the water? I, you know, this little cup trying to get rid of the water in the boat. But then I think of having a generator. Now you think I'm really crazy. But that's partly true, but um, power. The power of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus never promised us that we weren't going to have water in the boat. He never promised us that we weren't going to go through things. He never promised that we were going to experience like everything is going to be perfect. We're going to experience health issues. Why? Because of sin entered into the world. We're going to experience things that sometimes it's, it's so consuming and so weary. It's just so 
you know, what are we going to do? In fact, that was the theme of last Wednesday's prayer meeting. Crying out to God and all the requests. So many of us here are in situations that shaken. And if the Lord doesn't move, where do we end up? That's not a lack of faith. That's reality. The Lord says, where's your faith to, to pull you along? And you think about, even for believers, we understand what the scriptures say, the days that are coming, right? We're going to, we're, we're not going to go through the wrath of God. But I think you agree with me, man, we're experiencing some stuff we never thought we would experience. And not too many of us are jumping up and down saying, this is in the scriptures, let's go. No, I'm too often mumbling and grumbling, Lord, just come and get this over with, you know. I'm ready for glory. Paul said um, that the sufferings of the present time does not compare to the glory which will be revealed. What we're going through, folks, on this earth is reality, but it's not our hope. Our hope is Jesus. He's going to see us to the other side. We're not going to sink because he's going to hold us up and we're going to walk with him. And listen, your testimony, you may not think it right now, but your testimony is speaking to somebody. The struggles, the trials that you're going through, what Jesus holding you up is speaking to other people and you're an encouraging to them and inspiration to them. And the Lord doesn't necessarily have to show us that's happening. What water's in your boat? Trust in him. He'll, he'll deliver you. He'll, he'll empty the boat. And that's how he prayed for us this week. <laughs> Going back to 2 Thessalonians. That, so we, we kind of captured then them being shaken and troubled and during the great persecution that we've, you know, that we've looked at. And now Paul's encouraging them. And then we, we're giving, given here by the means of the false teaching. It says here, by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us. So by spirit, it speaks or refers to those that perhaps gave a prophetic utterance, a prophecy claiming that the Spirit of God revealed to them that the day of Christ or the day of the Lord has come. They were claiming a new revelation. Can't you just kind of picture? Well, you know, you heard from Apostle Paul. He, he wasn't right. Now, some of us who love Paul, we want to roll up our sleeves to that, right? They were essentially saying, you, you, Thus saith the Lord. You missed the rapture. You're living in the day of the Lord time. You're living in the tribulation time. And then let's take this to heart for a moment. False prophets speaking untruth speaking false words, disguising to be words of God. The Lord reminds us in his word that Satan and his demons transform them, transforms themselves as light. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. For such are false prophets, or excuse me, false apostles, 
deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Do we see that today? Absolutely do. We're reminded that when a person is speaking in the name of the Lord, there will not be contradiction. And listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about misspeaking. Misspeaking can happen. Amen? You're here every week with me. I have misspoke many times. I remember one time years ago, I think I had to send a message into Bible college. And the message I was in that message that I ended up not sending was, I actually, it came out of my mouth, Jesus is not Lord. So then the Lord showed me, and so I went back and listened. And then I was waiting for my congregation to see if they'd come and talk to me and see if they heard it. Not one. I didn't send that in to Calvary Chapel Bible College. <laughs> Sent a different one in, but... Um, my point is, there's a difference between false prophet and misspeaking. We have the responsibility. Every one of us as believers, not just church leadership, not just the pastor, every believer has the responsibility to listen to what is being said and discern whether it's true or not. First Thess or excuse me, First John chapter four verse one says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world." So when somebody says, "Thus saith the Lord," and says something that contradicts the word of God, that's a false prophet. And I, we need to be very careful if we're saying, thus saith the Lord. When we say, thus saith the Lord, then it's perfection every time. And if it's not, it's not of the Lord. And again, we all have the responsibility to test the spirits. Well, how do we test the spirits? Well, right after 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, we have verses 2 through 6 that essentially tell us. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, he who knows God hears us, but he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. It's always been relevant, but how much more relevant 
today and what we're seeing in the world where there is the, the spirit of the Antichrist, the, the enemy opposing the things of God. And right now we're seeing such a disharmony of God's creation and how the, the spirit of the, the enemy, you know, coming against God's creation. That's the spirit of the Antichrist, opposing God. Another way that false teaching was coming into the church of Thessalonica, or the false teacher's uh, teaching was by way of word, which simply means uh, people were hearing these false teachers and they went on to share uh, with, with others. And then it says here, by, by letter. By letter. Apparently there was a letter being circulated, maybe more than one, throughout Thessalonica, the church of the Thessalonians, containing information that the rapture had already been taken place and that they were now living in the tribulation period, and they signed Paul's name to it. They forged his name to the letter. And um, most likely, obviously, done, done by the false prophets, the false teachers. Remember, we read in 1 Thessalonians that they were had issues with Paul. They, they told the people, you know, Paul doesn't really care about you. He's only in it for the power and the money. He really doesn't care about you. Calling them a bunch of phonies and he was only out for personal gain. You know, there's a lot of false prophets, false teachers by, by the way of books. You need to be careful in the things that you read whether it's a book or a blog. You know, in the last decade, there's been, you know, those best-selling books that just contain New Age, Eastern mysticism, occultism, having just enough Christian lingo in it to make it sound good, and it fools believers. How, how, how can that happen? Well, simply put, because believers that can be fooled by this aren't into the Word of God, so they can't test the Spirit. You remember the last decade, uh, just books that come to my mind, like uh, The Shack. That fooled a lot of people. What about Jesus Calling? What about um, 1,000 gifts? What about live your best life now? Uh, you know that one. Not judging people's hearts. They have a heart for people. But if it's filled with lies, if it's bringing in new age and mysticism, you know, pointing to, you know, you are light and all these different things that doesn't line up with the Word of God. We are light because of the light of Jesus Christ. Not some mystical thing. All these things, you know, it takes away from the one true Jesus. And if we take away anything from Jesus of who He is, what He's done and what He's promised, then we don't have the real Jesus. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, that's the thing that Satan's so clever if he can make it and move something, uh, you know, 
that isn't true, like, you know, there's another book that just comes to mind. How about, uh, what was it called? Uh, the Blue Elvis or Elvis Blue. Uh, Rob Bell years ago with the emergent church and wanted to do away with the blood atonement. Do you know Christians just bought into that? You take away the atonement of God and what, what do we have? We don't have, or we're not forgiven, right? Anyway, these things, you've got to be careful. Bestseller books doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's true. The Lord warns us throughout the scriptures to pay attention, to beware. In fact, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. The air of the wicked. <laughs> Boy, you could just really come up with a lot of sermon material just looking at our world, right? The heir of the wicked. But one thought came to my mind this week. Are you hearing anything about artificial intelligence? It pro it's probably already happened. Pastors getting their sermons from artificial intelligence. The thing about artificial I don't know much about this. And I'm not going to waste my time reading about all of it either. But it seems to me there's got to be an input. Right? There's got to be some kind of input to the computer. Who's putting the input? Not some Jesus freak. And it's going to warp people's minds. It is warping people's minds. You know, can you just see it? messages from uh, artificial intelligence being spit out to congregations with information that doesn't line up with the Word? And if we're not testing the Spirit, you see, this will allow it to influence us in some way. That's how the enemy is so clever. We see it in the body of Christ. Next week we'll get to the apostasy. But how does apostasy come? How, does the, how is the church going to stray? Not every church, you know what I'm saying. Because it's been influenced. It's been indoctrinated by something other than the Word of God. It's, it's interesting, you know, since the, the church planted that it... Couple pastors I've talked to, and they want to know what, what, what's the draw? What are you using to draw people? Well, we're having fundraisers and carnivals and um, you know, face painting every other Sunday and uh, ice cream, and those things are great. But listen, if we aren't simply teaching the Bible simply and pointing people to Jesus, why should we even have a church? 
And that's exactly what I said. Our draw is the Word of God. And we're not about gaining people. If the Lord wants to bring people here, praise the Lord. Obviously, we want people, and we do things to promote the church that make you know, us available and visible to, to share Jesus with them. But guys and gals, we, we, need, we need to be so discerning and take everything to the Lord. Because the enemy is real. And he doesn't care about you. In fact, he hates us because Jesus loves us. Movements and churches and denominations again falling away and um, all attempts to make the church more relevant, uh, focusing so much on self-help needs. You know, Peter talked about in 2 Peter chapter 1 that God has given us everything in Jesus, everything we need for life and godliness. Now, in the big picture here, remember, when, when Paul talking about the day of the Lord, in order to us to understand that false teaching, we've got to remember the day of Christ or the day of the Lord. Speaking of, again, that time we looked at this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, that day of the Lord, the period after the rapture, seven-year tribulation period, the last three and a half years of that tribulation period, again, yet future, is going to be a time where it's literally hell on earth, where God's pouring out his wrath on an unbelieving world. At the end of the tribulation period, Jesus comes, right? His second coming. He will usher in the millennial kingdom. And, and after that, we know there will be a, the great white throne judgment. But the day of the Lord is all that. So there is a, a blessing in that, the millennial kingdom. That literal thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. But the emphasis here, the day of the Lord for, for the Thessalonians, was that judgment that God will be pouring out on an unbelieving world. So it's... I believe the Lord's leading us to take our time through this. I understand my audience here, or our audience here, many of you are well-versed in end times. But we all need to be well-versed. Not in just for some knowledge, but understand the days we are living in. They're, it's real. And if we really believe that, and here again I'm going to sound like a broken record, two things. One, it's going to bring urgency to share the gospel with others. It's going to bring a great desire to live our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just to gain historical facts. It's not just to, wow, the Antichrist, he's real. We're not necessarily looking for the Antichrist. We're looking for Jesus Christ. And I don't know if there's a better way today to be able to share the truth and love to those who don't know Jesus by pointing to the world that we're living in. See, the trick for us, I don't know if that's proper language, the enemy wants you and I to hate people. He wants us to act in a way that is ungodly. We look at the perversion 
that we're seeing in the world today, it bothers me. It bothers me that if the Lord doesn't come back, my children, my grandchildren, what's it going to be like 10 years from now? That shakens me. That troubles me. But I also know that the Bible, the Word of God, tells us not to be anxious for anything. But in everything, with thanksgiving, bringing our prayers of supplication to the Lord, and that scripture there in Philippians, yeah, he'll give us peace that surpasses all comprehension or all understanding and guard our minds with the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't take the bait of the enemy. We have to see people, even though we're shaken, even though we're troubled, to see people the way the Lord does. The Lord's grieving a lot more than we are. But in that, we have hope. The Lord wants us to get rid of that water in the boat, allow him to do that, because we walk in victory. All the promises that are found in the Word of God, I think of the Israelites going across the Jordan River. You know, they had to go across, the, they had by faith to go across the Jordan River, and what awaited them? Again, this is the path to living a victorious Christian life. Well, the enemies of God were waiting on them. And God directed them, his people, you know, do not fear, do not be dismayed, but be strong and courageous, for I am with you wherever you go. The Lord is with us. Amen? No reason, no reason to fear, but to walk in that victory. Yes, we might have some water on our boat, but God allows us, because of Him, to live in victory. And that's by faith. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, I, I pray, just as we looked at the one scripture this morning, of the comforting of one another. Lord, as we live in these days where there is all the, the nonsense, the, the perversion, the corruption, injustice, hate, We understand, Lord, that you are sovereign. And yes, Lord, we understand that the future of what your word says. We also understand, Lord, that we are living in the age of grace. Where you have not, in your unlimited wisdom, chosen to deal with the wicked. But we understand that there will be a day because you are a God of just. You are just. You are right in all of your ways. And we understand, Lord, that there is going to be a time where we know that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords sits on that throne. Lord, we pray 
for the hope that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who went to, to the cross to die for our sin and who was buried and rose on that third day. May we go in that strength and that power. Lord, I pray for those in our midst today that are battle-wearied, Bring forth your word and your comfort to them. May your love abound in their hearts. May you give them the strength that they need to deal with the water that's in the boat and that they would grow in the grace and knowledge of you, Lord, to sing your praises to marvel at the working of God in their life, living with that wonderful hope, a living hope, that soon and very soon. Bless your church, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Jim from Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship located in northern Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to today's Abiding Word. Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hope the word has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord today. You can email me at PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com. That's PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com with any comments or prayer requests. You can also connect with us at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship church website is calvarychapelfaithfellowship.org. There you can learn more about the ministry of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.